This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Today, I am delighted to invite Jodie Greer onto the podcast. So Jodie is the founder of Be People Smart, a disability inclusion and accessibility specialist. Be People Smart supports organisations to be more inclusive by considering all staff and customers in the way they operate and communicate. Jodie spent more than two decades in the corporate world before deciding to jump ship and become a route of enablement support for companies of all sizes across all sectors, which is when Be People Smart was born. Now, I have known Jodie for oh, a long time now, more years than I probably want to remember. Um, and it was actually after hearing Jodie speak at an event that I attended fairly recently, a virtual event, I should add, because we are obviously living in that world. Um, and she was talking about how small businesses can make their communications more inclusive. And I have to say, it really opened my eyes to um, a lot of things that I wasn't doing, but could quite easily do to make my website, my social media and lots of other things much more inclusive for everyone. Um, And so we're going to talk today about just a tiny, tiny section of what she talks about in that speech, because honestly, she had so much to share that I think if we put all that into one podcast episode, it'll possibly be quite overwhelming. So um, you never know, hopefully Jodie can can pop back at some point and share even more of us but today we're just going to focus on some of the fairly small and simple things that we can all do to make sure our communications are much more accessible for everyone so I really hope you enjoy this conversation I hope you find it as fascinating and as useful as I did as I said I think it's incredibly accessible I think there's a lot in here that you'll be able to action straight away or if not straight away you know the coming weeks and months because it is a long-term thing and um, Jodie is really honest about the fact that you know none of us are going to be you know making all of these changes overnight but even small steps will make a big difference so with all of that said and gosh that was quite a long introduction I would love to now introduce you to Jodie so hi Jodie thank you so much for being here Hi, Vicky. Thanks for inviting me. It's good. Oh, you're welcome. So let's start by giving an introduction to yourself, your business and what you do, please. No problem. So I'm Jodie Greer and I'm the founder of a company called Be People Smart. And effectively what we do is help other organisations, all sizes, all sectors to be disability inclusive and accessible. Thank you. So let's... Um, so 
let's give some actual examples of what you mean when you talk about being more inclusive and accessible if that's okay um obviously my audience are people who are selling their own products or in the process of that let's assume that nowadays most people are selling online so in that context what do we mean by making our products more inclusive yeah, no problem. So I guess as well, it also helps to put some context around accessible because it's a new term to some people. I know that. Um, so, for instance, online, it's about making sure that everybody can understand what it is you're selling, what it looks like and, and effectively what they're actually purchasing. So, um, for instance, if you think if somebody had low or no vision, they tend to use a solution called a screen reader, which literally reads out the content of a screen to them. So can they, from your text and also from a description on your images, we can go into that a little bit if we have time, um, understand what the product really is. You know, what does it kind of look like, feel like, um, how big is it, all that kind of stuff. Um, because, of course, not only purchasing for themselves, but, of course, purchasing gifts. Thank you for that. So I guess it's about making like the buying experience easy for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I mentioned vision, but it goes so much further than that. I mean, sometimes, for instance, people might have a video um, showing their product in different ways, but it might have some, you know, audible. So someone might be speaking through it. So if there aren't captions on it, if you're deaf, how do you know what someone's telling you? So it could be things like that. But even down to, you know, people with dyslexia, there's certain requirements. And um, for people with autism, there can often be things that really kind of overshadow because it's just too much stimulants. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of things you can consider, but sometimes it's easier to sort of start somewhere and understand some really core points of how you can make things inclusive that we can all do and we can all do quite easily. And that's the kind of stuff that hopefully we can cover today. Yeah, thank you. And I would definitely like to cover those off in a minute because I, I agree that there are lots of things we can do. And this is obviously a massive, massive topic. Um, so for anyone who's listening, either feeling a little bit daunted, just be reassured that we're only going to go into like some, some fairly you know, high level stuff today. Is that right, Josie? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, but I think something that we get to cover off before we go into those is why are people missing out if they don't take this into account? So if they don't make any even small efforts to make their products more inclusive yeah I mean literally they're missing out on custom and I don't know if your listeners would have heard of the purple pound for instance but the purple pound is what is famed for the um, dispensable income of people with disabilities and their households because of course it's literally you know can you purchase it can you even navigate around the web page for instance and just to give you an idea because it's an awful lot of money in the UK alone, the purple pound is worth £274 billion. So if that's what people have got to spend, then I'm sure most, if not all of your listeners would be quite interested in a little chunk of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, because obviously I heard you speak at a workshop a few weeks ago, I know some of the things you're going to cover. And I'm convinced from that, that actually implementing some of the changes you're going to speak about will help make your products more accessible to everyone. Because I'm sure that lots of people, myself included, have been in the situation where you're on a web page, and it just isn't clear what you're getting, or it isn't clear what option to choose, or it just kind of doesn't work. And you just click away. And so obviously somebody who can't even perhaps read the, the text for whatever reason or see the images, um, 
that experience is going to be even more negative, presumably. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as an example, we've not long had Christmas and I was looking at some, you know, Santa ornaments on a site and I saw the one I wanted. But then when you look at the drop down, it's like Santa one, Santa two, Santa three and Santa four. Well, I wasn't sure what which one was Santa with a reindeer. So I just didn't purchase it because I didn't want to be ordering the wrong thing. And to be honest, I could have maybe contacted the seller, but it was kind of easier to go elsewhere. And that's what we call the click away pound as well, which is kind of linked to the purple pound. But often if people find the shopping experience difficult, they will just go somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure for lots of people that's been experienced. Um, so let's talk a bit, bit then about some of those practical things that we can all do to make our product listings and websites more inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. So a few key things. One is with your images. Um, so again, talking about screen readers that I've already mentioned, they will read out the alternative text you put behind the Im- an image. It's not actually that difficult to do, but it's also important um, that it's contextual. So what is it your image is basically trying to say? So for instance, if you were selling a product, your image is literally showing you what it looks like. So, you know, make that clear, you know, a rag doll wearing a blue dress with blue shoes and a blue floppy hat, for instance, um, which will help. And also thinking about all of the context. So for instance, you know, you've got different demographics within your um, customer base. So they may also be looking at different skin tones for that same doll. I don't know why I chose a doll, but anyway, I can see this doll in my head now. So um, you may be looking, you know, again, to see all the different kind of details about it. So, you know, give them in the description. And it may well be you don't need to give as much in the alt text if you've got it in the body of your actual um, web page or, you know, your item description. So your text could be a lot simpler, for instance. And also, if it's in the item description, it's clearer for everyone, of course. So the way that you define your images is really important. Um, Something else, and this one often gets missed, is color contrast. So for anyone, even if you've got 20-20 vision, I've got to say, a lot of color contrast I say, and for instance, white text on a yellow background or yellow text on a white background is really difficult for people to read. And if people have got reduced vision, even, you know, even if it isn't severe, it can be impossible to see it. So therefore it doesn't exist. There is no text there. Um, there are some really easy ways to actually check um, color contrast, but that's what, another thing I would say. Um, textiles, so using very kind of plain, simple textiles, I know that a lot of people for their branding, like the very sort of pretty and curly styles for your branding is your choice, but just be aware, of course, people may not be able to read them. So for instance, a lot of people with dyslexia find very curly fonts, ones that haven't got even space in between letters, things like that, really difficult. Um, So yeah, colors, fonts, alt text. um, There's so many things you can do, but I guess they're some of the key things. And also being able to navigate your web page because a lot of people don't use a mouse, so they need to use a keyboard. So if you have stuff in a logical order, so effectively, if you were tabbing through, you can get to all the, the information. That's something else that really helps people. 
Thank you for all of that. I just want to come back to the images in the alt text really quickly because lots of people, and myself included, have always thought of alt text in terms of SEO. You've probably heard this as well, Jodie, that for SEO purposes in your alt text, you should put, I don't know, your brand name or your, you know, things that people might find if they're searching on Google. But it sounds like what you're saying is the way alt text was designed to be used. It's actually to help people using screen readers. Have I got that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And also, if you think about the experience, so if you were a screen reader user, and I haven't actually got any statistics to hand, but there's a lot of screen reader users. Um, If you were a screen reader user, then you would literally hear all of those words. So, you know, can you imagine you were just going for a web page, you get to an image and you hear, be people smart, inclusivity, disability inclusion. Like, what is that picture? And actually, the picture was of our personas. I mean, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything, but also that's a lot of information you're actually receiving. You've now lost the plot completely as to what you were actually looking at. Um, and yeah, it's, it makes it very difficult. And again, probably just a click away moment. Yeah. I can see that. So thank you for clarifying that because yeah, that's, that was when I heard you speak a few weeks ago, that was one of the light bulb things for me because yeah, I'd only ever heard people talking about alt text in terms of SEO. And then when I realized it was short for alternative text, that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. Is there any sort of compromise there though? So for example, I'm just thinking of my products. Could I put child wearing tiny chipmunk white towel with blue motif for example some um, that wasn't very good that was off the top of my head what I'm trying to say is for people who are like no but I need to have my brand name in my alt text can you do that as long as it actually gives a clear description of what the product is is that absolutely and actually I would encourage that because the reason you've got that image there that's exactly the context you're showing you're not just showing you know a child wearing a random bamboo towel you are showing a child wearing a tiny chipmunk, right? So that is exactly what you're showing. So you can put, you know, exactly what you've just said with the tiny chipmunk logo on the on the hood, blah, 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 in blue. Um, yeah, that, that, because that's why it's there. The real intention of the contextual alt text is to literally provide the same experience for someone who's looking at it. And if that's why it's there, that's what you want to put in anyway. Thank you. And presumably that's also going to still help out with your SEO anyway, because let's say use that same example. If you've got the words tiny chipmunk and bamboo and baby and towel, it's given a clear description of what you're looking at. But then those words that possibly some of your keywords are in there as well. It's just rather than a random string of words, they actually make some sense. Yeah, I think they've just really you've hit the nail on the head, Vicky. It is just that it is thinking a little bit differently as to how you place the word. So you do make them sort of logical, I guess, you know, make them as a sentence so that that context is there for someone who needs it. But certainly you can still use them for your SEO. You know, it's like killing two birds with one stone. That's good. I think that'd be some reassuring to people, especially (laughs) people who've spent time, you know, getting their images you, you know seo friendly hopefully they won't have to do too much work so that they're screen reader accessible as well um, and before we move on from the things you can do is there anything in terms of your actual product listings the actual descriptions for your product that we need to take into account 
Yeah, I would just say, make it really clear, like quite literally, as I say, you know, one of that description, but also if you've got multiple options, I'll go back to my Santa example, right? So if you've got multiple options, you know, making it really clear that depending on how your drop down or your selection process works, but, you know, Santa one is Santa with a reindeer outside of, you know, Santa's house. Santa two is um, I think the more descriptive you make it, just really does improve the whole experience for everybody, not just people that rely on accessibility. Yeah, absolutely. I think I might, I don't know if I shared this example with you, Jody, but I was looking to buy something recently and it was like a fabric and all of the drop downs are named like red berry and green sage but then there were like a few red options and a few green options and I couldn't work out well which is the red berry and which is the green sage and which is the whereas I think just having the the pictures labeled of this is this and this is this or something in the text but in the end like you said I just clicked away and that seller unfortunately lost that purchase just because I had no idea what I was purchasing and that was with me having the benefit of being able to see the pictures and read the descriptions well and I still could not work out what it was I was buying so I think that that's really good advice that everyone will benefit from yeah absolutely and obviously you know I say obviously but to me I truly believe this I don't think people obviously do this with any sort of intent or certainly no negative intent they just aren't aware of what the impact can be but for their business that is a significant impact how many other people clicked away from that fabric so by raising this awareness I'm really hoping obviously yes we can enable people um, to be more inclusive but also let's face it we can also enable people to do more business yeah because it make it hopefully it'll make it easier for everyone to buy yeah absolutely so thank you for all those tips about selling on your own website um so lots of us I know also sell on third party marketplaces now I don't expect you to be an expert in every third party marketplace Jodie because there's lots out there um but do you have any advice or thoughts about things we could do when we're selling on Etsy or Amazon or eBay or wherever it might be because I know that to varying degrees these platforms are going to have this kind of thing built in like so I remember we looked together and we found that on Etsy you can add alt text for example on Amazon you can't so I know there's going to be limitations but is there anything we can do I don't know whether it's in the text just to make the buying experience a bit easier in on those sites yeah I guess you kind of have to use what's open to you obviously I'd love to see all of these platforms you know fully accessible and make all of the components accessible but we are where we are so I think if for instance if we pick on Amazon um, I've not personally listed anything on Amazon and I know you're the expert there Vicky but um, when it comes to what you know if you can't put stuff against images and let's face it sometimes people have like 10 images for one product anyway so that probably wouldn't be quite so simple but if you do make it so that literally all the detail and you might feel like you've already got all the detail but if you closed your eyes and couldn't see those pictures and just read the detail does it tell you everything about the product someone would need to know to be confident and comfortable purchasing it so I guess that's one thing um and no one wants to read a novel obviously when they're reading about a product and you can probably tell me this Vicky I'm guessing that there's also a limited character number that you can put in for a description anyway there is which I think also which I think creates another challenge because I know that you and I had spoken about you could actually add an image description in the body of the text possibly but on Amazon again due to the character limitations that also isn't an option which isn't 
great. Um, but I guess on other marketplaces or third party websites, you might be able to do that. That could be a little workaround. Yeah, I mean, so that is certainly a workaround. I guess really it's maybe thinking a little bit differently as to how you describe it. Because sometimes I know people get quite imaginative with their descriptions because of course they want to stand out against competition and so on um which that makes sense right so i'm not knocking that but if you've only got limited um space for your text maybe just think a bit smarter about it so not losing that imaginative piece but also including all the detail because even for me sometimes for instance i will look on amazon and i am looking i don't know at a bath mat and i want to know how big it is and actually, I can't find that in the whole body. And then I realize on the fourth image, in the image, it also shows me the dimensions. So that's not very helpful. So even for me, often I'll fail to click away and then I think, oh, actually, let me double check the imagery. Um, if I can't do that, I have no option but to just choose someone who's put the details I need into their actual text. Yeah, thank you for that. So I guess the key thing is to make sure that without like you say writing a novel all of the key information someone might need to make a, a purchase like color and size and okay, I guess it really depends on what your product is but all of the key information needs to be somewhere in the main body of text because we can't assume that everybody can see your graphics your images your infographics or whatever additional yeah. imagery you've you've created Absolutely. And I mean, even if you think about, um, I suppose I've already mentioned we've had Christmas, so obviously a lot of people have been buying gifts, but people buy gifts all year round, of course. And even if you think about it, if somebody, for instance, is colorblind and they wanted to purchase a scarf for someone, well, they quite like a few of the designs, but they're not sure what colors they are. So even if you can see the pictures, I'm not sure which one I want to select because I quite like the one that's got the dolphins on it, but I don't know what color it is, so I don't know if it's their thing. Um, and I've been told they really like blue and purple, for instance. So I don't want to assume it's blue because it's water-based. How do I know that? And I only know that if it's actually in that content, because as I say, even, and that's a lot of people as well, even if I was colorblind, that will stop me purchasing the product because I don't want to get it wrong. So that's actually something that I think everyone can also take away is that when you're setting up products on I think all of the marketplaces I've worked on, certainly you can name the different options. So it sounds like just by naming the option blue dolphin rather than just blue or just dolphin as an example would be super helpful to everybody. Yeah, definitely. All of that stuff helps. It really is about being as descriptive as you can be without the novel um, just so that everyone knows what they're seeing, what they're getting, um, and people can make an informed choice. That's perfect. Thank you. So let's move on slightly from product descriptions, product pages, and talk a bit about social media, because I think most of us are on some social media platform or another. What are some of the things we can do on social media, whether we're talking about our products or not, just to be a bit more inclusive? Yeah, no worries. So I'm going to go to alt text again, right? So describing your images is still really important. There are some caveats to a point. And the reason I say that is to have the alt text sitting behind the image, a lot of the time you have limitations. So I'll give you an example on LinkedIn. I can do that from a laptop. I can, I can post now and I can put the alt text against it. If I use my mobile to post, I can't. 
And if I use a scheduler to post, um, certainly the scheduler I use, I can't. But what I do instead, and actually this is quite nice because even if people don't use a screen reader, it's good practice anyway, is I put, you know, image description or the image shows and I explain what it is at the end of my post. Um, because again, if you had low vision, for instance, but you, you know, you've never mastered screen reader use, then you also get the same information. So that can be really helpful anyway. So definitely alt text is important. Um, one of my other things um, that I'm really quite hot on is um, capital camel case hashtags. So what does that mean? That means a capital letter at the start of every word in your hashtag. Um, and I'll say every word because sometimes people think it won't mean the first word, for instance, but by having a capital letter at the start of every word, it makes it so much clearer for everyone. So for instance, um, people with dyslexia, not just people with dyslexia, but a lot of people with dyslexia find it really hard to um, separate the words. I don't personally have dyslexia. I find it hard to separate the words in long hashtags. Um, but also back to screen reader users, when it's got the capital letters at the start of each word, it actually does know they are separate words. So even the word is would have a capital I. Um, so that's really important. And honestly, once you see them, it's, you can see it for yourself. It's so much more obvious what you're saying. So it's just a nicer experience anyway. And I know um, on the workshop I did recently, someone asked the question, if you do that, are you still included in like, you know, the pool? Don't know what the correct term is of all these hashtags. So, you know, if I did hashtag tiny chipmunk, but I did a capital um, T and a capital C, am I gonna be in, you know, with all those that are all in lowercase? And absolutely you are, you will see that with a predictive and um, when it's a readily used hashtag, it will pop up, but you can definitely use your capital letters and you can just do it better than other people did. <laughs> so that's a really good thing to do. Um, and another thing, I was talking about this, I think it was actually with you, Vicky, recently, talking about emojis. And emojis are great. And a lot of us love emojis. I'm a bit of an emoji fan. And visibly, they do some great stuff because they can give a, literally some kind of emotion to a post. They can make you smile, um, all of that stuff. However, less is definitely more with emojis. So for instance, and I was guilty of this in the past, if I was going to put like, you know, five laughing face emojis in a row because I found something really funny, um, visibly that gives that exact message. You know, it tells you that it's hilarious. But if I was a screen reader user, and this may not be the exact alt text behind them, but you'd read this little message and then you would hear laughing face emoji, laughing face emoji, laughing face emoji. Right? You can imagine that like five times. It kind of kills the message. So just think about that as well, because sometimes people have got, you know, a laughing face and a kiss emoji, then something else and something else. And if you're getting all of those read out to you, um, yeah, more than sort of two or three, I guess, especially if they're different, um, would just be too much. And I can imagine how frustrating it would probably be. You'd probably stop reading. 
Yeah, and I, I really can see that. Thank you for explaining that. I think, funny enough, after I heard you talk about that, I was on Instagram, and I don't know if it was a blip, but there was like, I think it was a period of, I don't know, let's say 24 hours, where I wasn't seeing people's emojis. I don't know why, but I was seeing the emoji description, and it took me a while to work out what was happening. So I'd, I'd read someone's post, there'd be a bit of text, and then it would say like, winking face in like little sort of ellipse things and then maybe a bit more text and I'm assuming that is what you would get if you were using a screen reader yeah that would be the old text behind it and there were a couple of posts I was reading and you'd you'd literally read and there'd be whatever description whatever lots of emoji and it it made it actually for me even though I was reading it it actually made it quite hard to read because you'd read a bit of text then it would be like winking face kiss face whatever maybe like three emojis and then you go back to the text and it made it quite disjointed um and I've got to admit I'm a fan of emojis as well but since sort of having that realization I've definitely sort of used them a lot more sparingly because it was it really brought it home I don't know why this happened it was literally like it was in November I think just for like a day this sort of happened I wasn't seeing emojis and I just thought wow it really makes it clear what other people were how other people are viewing things, which I think sometimes is a really good thing to see. Yeah, it's actually the experiential things really important, right? And you've literally had the same experience as someone who used a screen reader would have, essentially. And it does, it does open your eyes. Because um, there's loads that we learn all of the time from other people's experiences. But that is interesting. I've not, I've not seen that happen myself. But it's actually quite cool it did because it literally wouldn't have been just you for those days, right? It would have been probably everyone. Yeah. And it's quite nice that people have been able to see what it's really like. Yeah, I just found it fascinating. And coming back to the hashtags as well, which I, by the time this episode is going out, JD, I want to say that I'm only using camel case hashtags. It's something I'm really trying. Um, Because what's what's frustrating, actually, I find, is when you type your hashtags, it automatically, the predictive thing, puts it all in lowercase but I've definitely been in a situation I wish I could think of a good example or a funny example here I might google some later where I've read a hashtag and I thought it said something and then I've been like oh no what it actually says is because where it all blurs together you sort of have to guess which is a new word and maybe before this goes out I'll try and find some examples that I can share with people but you've probably seen the same where you think why did they use that hashtag and then you realize oh what they're trying to say is because it yeah there are some funny ones out there that um I can't think of one off the top of my head but I probably wouldn't mention them here anyway because of what they look like they say (laughs) but they actually look really crude and then you think that's not even contextual it doesn't make sense and then if you try again you're like oh you mean because again the words just aren't separated the same way um and that you can avoid the embarrassment with camel case hashtags (laughs) Yeah. And like I said, by the time this goes live, I'm only going to use camel case hashtags. You can come to my link and come to my Instagram and check on me and see what camel case hashtags look like as well. So there we go. I'm giving myself some accountability now. So one final thing before we finish up, JD, is obviously we've talked about quite a lot today and I know thank you I do really appreciate that you've tried to keep it really top level and really simple for people as well like we've not gone into masses of detail because I know we probably could um but I do think everything you've talked about today is actionable what's the key thing you want people to take away from this yeah um I guess my main message would be to I guess take it a step at a time what's really important is some people of course they want to do this stuff anyway because it's good for business 
But a lot of people will certainly want to do this because they feel like they've literally excluded people. And I think my main message would be, you know, don't feel bad. Don't kick yourself. Um, none of us are born knowing this stuff. So it's about taking it, as I say, one step at a time, doing the things you can do. And also, you know, you need to be practical. So, for instance, you can start now and you can start implementing these small changes, which will make big differences with all your kind of future posts and with all your, um, you know, future um, listings and all that sort of stuff. But for instance, especially for small business owners who may not have a lot of support to do this stuff, going back over all of your products may not um, make sense to you or you may just feel like you literally don't have time to do that right now. Now, if you're going to keep them listed, there's going to be updates and things to make and you can do the accessible pieces then as well. So just don't feel the pressure, I guess I would say. I'd love the world to be fully accessible right here, right now. But I think having the positive intent, you know, wanting to do more to make people being, you know, make people included um, and to make sure that people's experiences with your products, with your sites are a positive one. That's something to be applauded. Right. So that's something to kind of congratulate yourself on from all different avenues. So I think, yeah, don't beat yourself up. Take steps now and start being really inclusive. And then, yeah, just be proud of that. Thank you. That's, I think that's a really good message to end on because it is really tempting because I know when I heard you talk the first time, it was all new to me and you just start making a mental list of all the things you haven't done. So it's really nice to reframe it and think, okay, but, I, you know, these are the things I can do going forward. And like you say, you don't have to sort of redo your whole website or your whole product catalogue or whatever. I think even if you just start today with making some small changes going forwards. If we all do that, I think that will make a big difference. Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be good stuff. And I will be checking on your hashtags, Vicky. <laughs> do, do. But like I said, Jodie, I mean, I'm not perfect. I try, you know, I try and remember to do it. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm trying to remind myself that I am trying. And that's better than sort of not, you know, a few months ago, I didn't even have a clue that that's what I could be doing or should be doing so I think even just having the awareness is is a step forward one thing that might be useful for you to include when you put this episode out actually you know I mentioned about color contrast yes um if I send you a link to a free very simple contrast analyzer that I use um maybe that's something that'd be really helpful for people because if they want to double check imagery they're creating or even maybe something if they're rebranding and that kind of stuff um it, yeah, it's a, just an easy way of doing it and it's literally done with two clicks once you download it yeah that would be so helpful thank you so yeah do send that over and i'll make sure that's in the show notes and i also have the link to your website and all your social media channels and everywhere people can find you excellent thank you very much oh thank you thank you so much for being here for sharing all of this and as I said for keeping it light and practical as well because I I, yeah I fully appreciate this is a massive topic so yeah and I think we've only just touched the surface and maybe we'll have to have you back at a future date to talk about sort of other areas of inclusive inclusivity yeah happy to and yeah if your listeners want some extra advice or whatever please do reach out um and yeah well done for taking steps Oh, thank you.
Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed it, please do leave me a review. That really helps other people to find this podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and do tell your friends about it too if you think that they also might enjoy it. You can find me at vickyweinberg.com. There you'll find links to all of my social channels. You'll find lots more information, all of the past podcast episodes and lots of free resources too. So again, that's vickyweinberg.com. Take care, have a good week and see you next time if you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024 i really recommend my podcast host captivate captivate were my top pick when i started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started i've stuck with them for the last four years because captivate is still really simple to use they keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.